0: What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're here to listen to Vanished in the Valley. So, before we get started into today's rabbit hole of madness, I just have to say what's up to Andrew and Lydia, who are a couple of Australian listeners who have been around with Vanished in the Valley since way back in the beginning just, hey, what's up, guys? I appreciate you guys sticking around listening. I know for a fact those early episodes were not so easy to listen to, but that's what's up, and, you know, I was actually kind of talking about Australia last week, so, guys, hang in there and blink twice if you're being held under duress. I'll send the troops in. Oh, wait, that's right. They're too busy fucking evacuating Afghanistan and handing that shit straight over to the Taliban. So don't even get me started on that whole fucking thing. I know like a lot of the ex-military and military people feel like, you know, what the fuck was the point of that? Why did we go there for 20 years? Why did so many fucking people die just for us to walk away and walk away the way we did? So yeah, it's like a big controversy right now and it's just all fucked up. I thought the whole situation was fucked up from day one. And we never got the true story of why we went to Afghanistan, why we went to Iraq, all that kind of shit. So, I don't know. We're not going down that rabbit hole today anyway. But like I said, Andrew and Lydia, you guys are what's up. Thank you so much for listening. Shoot me a line on the Instagram or the Facebook. You know it's Vanished in the Valley, uh, Athena, on both sides. Come say what's up. Drop me a line. But now... I'm going to get into the quote-unquote conspiracy theory that the Vegas shooting has kind of just fucking been a cover-up, a smokescreen. Something else went down that day. The reason I decided to kind of delve into this is because I remember when it happened. I was awake. It was like two o'clock in the morning. I think I was getting ready for work or some shit like that. And I saw like all these alerts going off. People were posting stuff on social media. So... I remember watching one of these videos, and it was a video taken during the shooting, during the concert and everything, and I distinctly remember hearing two shooters, two simultaneous firing of weapons that are different calibers. So I didn't really think anything of it, because I'm just like, okay, there's a couple of psycho shooting people up. Typical fucking shit, you know? So we find out later that it, you know, What is it? 60 people died and over 500 were injured. So it's like the worst mass shooting casualty event in America's history. And many people believe we never got the full story. So today I'm going to take you down the rabbit hole of Stephen Paddock and the Vegas shooting. All it took that night on October 1st, 2017 was 15 minutes. 15 minutes to bust out a window, shoot and kill 60 people, and injure over 800. 15 minutes, you guys. 15 minutes that would change the lives of so many people. Now, a few days before this, Stephen Paddock had actually checked in to room 135 on the 32nd floor of Mandalay Bay. And basically, over the next few days, He would spend his time gambling and going back and forth from his home back to the hotel. And his home was about like 70 miles away. And he said to do this five times. Now, he makes these trips and every time he comes back, he has a large ass bag. And he's not shy about it. He straight asks the bellboy to help him bring these guns up to the room. Now, obviously at the time, the bellboy had no idea these heavy ass bags were loaded with assault rifle and ammunition, just crazy shit like that. Can you imagine you carry all these bags up and later on you find out it's weapons that, you know, basically killed 60 people. And just so you know, in that 15 minutes, Pettig fired over 1,058 rounds He also took aim at jet fuel containers at an airport that was kind of like behind the festival grounds. They say it was around 600 yards away. Luckily, he was not able to explode those tanks or anything. Now, before we go down the rabbit hole, I'm going to tell you the mainstream media and Wikipedia, their version of the events that night. So Wikipedia states, on the evening of October 1st, 2017, Stephen Paddock, a 64-year-old man from Mesquite, Nevada, opened fire upon a crowd attending the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival on the Las Vegas Strip in Nevada. Between 10.05 and 10.15 p.m., He fired more than 1,000 rounds of ammunition from his 32nd floor suites at the Mandalay Bay Hotel, which killed 60 people and wounded 411, with the ensuing panic bringing injury total to 867. About an hour after the initial shots, Paddock was found dead in his room from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. His motive remains officially undetermined. Now, let's start with that last a little bit. All the mainstream media is reporting Stephen Paddock shot himself in the head around an hour after the shooting began. But if you look at the Clark County Corner Report, it actually has Stephen Paddock's time of death listed October 2nd at 12 p.m. So that's like 12 hours after everyone is reporting it. The autopsy raises a lot of other questions. Let's get to that right now. So, according to the autopsy, Paddock is six foot one. But if you look at an Alaska hunting registration card as well as a California driver's license, Both of those, you know, legal government forms of identification have him listed as 6'4". Another strange thing is the official state documents say Paddock's eyes were blue, while the autopsy report says the dead person's eyes are brown, and the document is actually based on the same California driver's license I was just talking about that referenced his height at 6'4". Another kind of strange thing is they did cite blunt force injuries to the extremities. The upper right calf, left calf, and right knee were mentioned, possibly suggesting a struggle. The coroner kind of points out little scrapes and abrasions. They're not huge. They're like a half inch to a quarter inch. And they're just, you know, basically noted because it is kind of strange. It's like, what caused these injuries? Now, as far as the toxicology report, there was all kinds of crazy shit in his system. Listen to this list, you guys. The autopsy states that high levels of arsenic, beta hydroxybutyric acid, mercury, selenium, antimony, lead, chlorophenyrhyme, noradiazepam, oxypam, temazepam, And those are all in the benzodiazepam family. So basically this guy is kind of just like eating fucking Xanax bars kind of crazy here. His blood also tested positive for caffeine and theobromine. And theobromine is like the main chemical in chocolate. I just know that because theobromine is extremely toxic to dogs. Don't let your dogs eat dark chocolate or even just regular milk chocolate. All bad. All bad. So another, and the thing that strikes me the fucking strangest, is the body was cremated. So it's gone. Any questions anybody had about this body, done. There's no exhuming nothing. This body has been cremated, adding to the legend and lore of Stephen Paddock. And just so you know, I'm getting all of this information about the autopsy from an actual PDF copy of of the Clark County's official autopsy report. I'm not getting it secondhand from different news sources. So I've seen it with my own eyes. There are definitely discrepancies that to this day, you know, August 18th, 2021, we still don't have answers. Okay, and speaking of not having answers, who was this chick that Stephen Paddock sent $100,000 to? Apparently, there is someone in Australia claiming that she had listed her employer as the FBI. And I have seen on different quote unquote conspiracy forums that she was an FBI informant. Hmm. Another woman associated with Paddock is being described by Radar Online as a sex worker. They're saying that she said Paddock told her that he was a quote-unquote government experiment and the CIA could hack into his brain and take over in a series of disturbing text messages shortly before he decided to go out and massacre 60 people and injure over 800. The woman goes on to say, There's a message where Stephen is telling her he's a government experiment and they're listening to everything he says and does and they can hack into his brain and take over. According to Michaela, the unnamed sex worker says she spent time with Stephen Paddock in the hours before the shooting and now she's vanished supposedly and she's just become the latest person with ties to the shooting to disappear or die in suspicious circumstances. So check this out, you guys. In the space of two months after the October 1st attack, eight eyewitness survivors, many of whom publicly disagreed with the quote-unquote official narrative, found up dead. Okay? And that was just two months after the initial incident. Then about a year later, there was that shooting at the Thousand Oaks bar called Borderline Bar and Grill, where it's estimated that 50 to 60 people inside that bar were survivors of the Route 91 massacre. What kind of fucking luck is that? 12 people were killed in that mass shooting. And it doesn't say how many of those 12 were Route 91 survivors. And trust me, i looked for that information. The last report we have of Stephen Paddock with another female is from the day of the shooting. Apparently, there is some sort of security footage of him walking around with two females that have been identified as sex workers. Apparently, there is a video of the Route 91 concert, and there's a woman screaming, you're all going to die. And she's like repeating it. You're all going to die. Kind of like psycho style. She does end up getting arrested and the video has kind of been scrubbed from the internet, which isn't too surprising because while researching the whole Vegas shooting, I've found every video that basically goes against the narrative has been taken off YouTube or is super difficult to find. You got to like check Bit shoot, you have Chuck Rumble. You got to super search for this information. YouTube uh, definitely has one narrative and one narrative only for the Vegas shooting, and a lot of people think there were multiple shooters, and that goes against the YouTube and mainstream media, and even the sheriff's narrative. Now to explain this part of the quote-unquote conspiracy the multiple shooter theory. I'm going to have to take you guys to the scanner logs of the police that were responding to the mass shooting, as well as 911 calls coming in from the victims trapped inside the concert venue and the hotels surrounding Mandalay Bay. Do you heard that right? Surrounding hotels of Mandalay Bay, several different people called 911 to report there were active shooters in up to 3 different hotels and I will get to that in just a minute now according to transcripts from the police scanners at 1008 p.m. they get the first reports it says shots are coming from Mandalay Bay halfway up at 1009 p.m. the transcript reads we have an active shooter inside the fairgrounds 1012 Control, be advised, I have shots coming from gate 7. 10.22pm, we're getting from civilians saying there might have been three shooters. 10.23pm, we've interviewed multiple people in concert venue that is on the north side of Hacienda, east side of Las Vegas Boulevard, saying there are multiple people who have been shot or were shooting in the concert venue. 10:53 10:53 p.m., confirming the Mandalay Bay, and the Alibaba Giles are the two shooting locations. Do we have a third? 12:32 a.m., an officer requests a strike team to Gate Four of the venue. Officer states, "We have a suspect who we are not yet able to take into custody." Strike Team Twenty Two responds, "We are in route." So for this next part, I'm actually going to read to you guys some of the eyewitness accounts from people that they had either like posted it to Facebook. There's also some news interviews. So it's different ways that these people's words are getting out, but then silenced. So listen to this. This comes from survivor Kimberly Suchamil, and it was a Facebook post. But the third volley hit, and it was close. Very, very close to us. I could physically see the impact of the bullets on the astroturf. I could feel the warmth of the passing bullets. I thought to myself, we need to hide. But I looked quickly for somewhere to go. The gunfire once again got closer and closer. We couldn't hide because they, and I do mean they, were chasing us. Next, while still running, I called my grandma to tell her the exact same thing. But the gunfire wasn't stopping this whole time. It wasn't ceasing. It wasn't slowing down and it was directly behind us, following us. Bullets were coming from every direction, behind us, in front of us, to the side of us. The farther we got from the venue, the closer the gunfire got. The next eyewitness account is from Rocky Palomero, and there was actually an article and a video. He states he strongly believes there was between three to five active shooters during the attack because as he ran away from the initial gunfire, he describes bullets not only raining down, but flying horizontally at the crowd. Palomero is an avid hunter familiar with guns and ballistics, says the different trajectories of gunfire was extremely evident, even in the midst of chaos. And that's actually kind of something I was going to talk about. We all know eyewitness accounts suck, and in a chaotic fucking life or death situation like this, eyewitness accounts are going to be even worse. But there's video of it, you guys. There's police scanner, talk about it, and so many eyewitnesses. And why have so many eyewitnesses and people that were at this mass shooting, why have they been like uh, mysteriously disappeared or died since this attack? So moving on, another statement posted to Facebook. It was like a Facebook video from Gio Rios. Family and friends concerned about the Route 91 festival massacre. Please share and spread this post, for it's completely real, and the news is not telling the entire truth. There was more than one shooter. I believe there was four to five shooters. And I saw, heard four of them, and there was one of their men down in the concert, who lit firecrackers. This person who lit the firecrackers was right next to me as it blew my eardrums. And he was at the right side of the stage, facing the stage, closer to the front part. So now we're going to skip ahead a little bit in time to 11.27pm. That's when the 911 center gets a call from Caesars Palace. And they state, Please be advised, now we're getting shots fired at Caesars and Bellagio. Carrie Harrison states, We are in Caesars Palace tonight, and there was a shooting in there too. For some reason, the news hasn't even mentioned this. We heard about the first shooting as we were walking and went into Caesars to wait it out. We were in the food court, and all of a sudden you saw everybody running for their lives from the casino area right next to the food court. We took off, and I hear about 20 gunshots behind me. We took cover behind a wall and managed to escape through the kitchen. It was like a scene in a movie. The news isn't saying anything. So I thought everyone should know there were multiple shootings here tonight. Another post from TZB. Why are they covering up the other shootings in Vegas last night? I didn't see anyone hit where we were, but it was guaranteed shots fired at Caesars Palace about 30 minutes after the concert. There couldn't have been just one shooter. Shooting wasn't only at Mandalay Bay. About 20 minutes after hearing about the shots at the concert, we were at Caesars Palace And about 10 to 20 shots rang out and people running and ducking throughout the casino. More than a hundred of us escaped through the back of the food court kitchen and made it back to our hotel. So check this out. This call now to 911 comes from the Bellagio, 1127 p.m. Please be advised, we're now getting shots fired at Caesars and Bellagio. It's 1129. What sounds like fully automatic gunfire can be heard over an open mic with a fast cycle rate, possibly an MP5 9mm. Bellagio is hearing a lot of shots being fired. A suspect is inside. 11.57pm. The Bellagio employee entrance looks code 4, which is like no further assistance needed. 12.22am. 415A now, Bellagio PR, is hearing a lot of shots being fired. 12.23am. Please be advised, a 415A Bellagio PRs hearing a lot of shots being fired. Not seeing anyone. They're on the first floor and whispering. And now she's saying suspects are inside with her and she's whispering to not talk. And I believe PR is probably just like person reporting, something like that. And these are all police logs, scanners. It's so obvious. You can hear this automatic gunfire. There's an open mic. The police are talking. It's recorded. So, what this is 1127. This is, you know, over an hour after they say Stephen Paddock had already fucking killed himself. Hmm. So, these reports kind of go on. They get a little bit kind of confusing because, you know, they're getting all of these reports of shooters. They're getting false reports of shooters. They're still trying to deal with the scene over at Mandalay Bay. And now they've got all these new scenes. But. The mainstream media never covered this and anybody that talked about it or posted any videos on Facebook, they got their shit removed. And it's like, why, why even now it's search the story. Nobody's talked about it since 2018. Apparently everyone's just forgotten or doesn't give a shit anymore. And what's kind of like difficult about this case is a lot of the source material has been scrubbed from the internet. So this is not an easy one to research. I had to like dig and dig and go to different conspiracy forums and a lot of the information I'm giving you guys, I'm getting from a post by a user named Bodesha from one of the sites I go to and this user put together all of these call logs that I'm reading to you and they were actually able to capture all of these witness statements before they were scrubbed from the internet. And I know all this because the person that made this post literally has references posted at the end of all the information, where at one point you could go to the news story and see, get the information, and verify what the poster was saying. Now, you click these links, they've all been scrubbed from the internet. Now, speaking of scrubbed from the internet, what is a conspiracy without a 4chan post? Now, check this out, you guys. On Sunday, September 10th, 2017, An anonymous poster on 4chan posted this. It's like a series of five different messages. Look, I feel bad for some of you on this website, so I'll let you in on a little secret. If you live in Las Vegas or Henderson, stay inside tomorrow. Don't go anywhere where there are large groups of people. Also, if you see three black vans parked next to each other, immediately leave the area. You are welcome, John. Next post, just stay away. Go to Arizona if you can. They won't bother you in Arizona. Next post, to clarify, I won't be doing anything to harm anyone. I'm not a killer and I never will be. Then he states, it's called the High Incident Project, quote unquote. They want to make the American public think that places with extremely high security aren't safe. They are trying to create more regulations. You will see the laws proposed within the next few years to put up more metal detectors and other security devices. Media and politicians will be saying places with lots of police need even more police. I can't guarantee anything will happen tomorrow, but Las Vegas is on their minds. Now, like I was saying, the date, Sunday, the 10th of September. What somebody kind of figured out was if you look at the date, you know, in numbers, flip it around it actually is September 11th. So, they kind of figured, if you flip the date around, it comes out to October 10th and then 91, as in Route 91. So, I don't know. I don't know if anybody wants to give credence to this 4chan post. I mean, it's kind of cryptic with that date flip situation, but... I don't know, 4chan, you always gotta throw them in on a fucking conspiracy, or, I mean, is it even a conspiracy if 4chan isn't involved at this point in the game? Now, we've covered the multiple shooter angle, but there's also another conspiracy wrapped up in the Vegas shooting, and this one involves Saudi princes, execution squads, and arm deals. So get ready for this part of the conspiracy. On January 16th, 2018, Newspunch.com had an article and the title stated FBI confirmed Las Vegas shooter was an arms dealer. Media blackout. So the FBI has just released new details about their investigation into Stephen Paddock confirming that he was a registered arms dealer with ties to the CIA. Huh. So maybe that uh, sex worker wasn't fucking bullshitting. Maybe this guy really had some sort of a (laughs) -A CIA MK ultra brainwashing going on. And it's kind of like a complete U-turn from the original claim of it was just a lone wolf. It was just a crazy guy. But the media just kind of stopped covering it. Another thing that came out in that article was his girlfriend, the chick that went to the Philippines. Apparently at 10.08 p.m., That's when the fire started. Her Facebook account was set to private at 12.38 a.m. and then completely deleted at 2.46 a.m. Stephen Paddock's name wasn't released to the public until 3.30 a.m. So that suggests she knew he was about to do something. There's just so many things like this in the case that how can people not question the official narrative? It's just, it's fucking trash the media is trash and the people that just want to sleep and ignore the trash media they're trash too can we have a trash fire please so according to an anonymous source in the las vegas metro police department they say they know the motive behind the attack but the fbi will not allow them to release the motive because it implicates the fbi in illegal arms deals and supplying arms to isis terrorists within united states border the Mandalay Bay Affair was likely part of a covert program to transfer weapons from the vaults of the ATF fitted with RFID tracking chips to ISIS militants inside the USA. Stephen Paddock was an undercover FBI agent who participated in multiple illegal arms deals in the Las Vegas area in a gun-running entrapment scheme similar to Fast and Furious. Paddock thought he was engaging in another routine arms transfer. But ISIS had learned about the entrapment scheme and Paddock's true identity. They killed him, carried out the massacre, and fled the scene. Now, speaking of Middle Eastern players like ISIS, the next theory actually involves a Saudi Arabian assassination plot run amok. Three months before the Las Vegas massacre, Moderate Mohammed bin Salman, known as MBS, was made crown prince of Saudi Arabia, and apparently Trump supported that. And in this theory, Trump is kind of wrapped up in it in some people's ideas, and other people say Trump has nothing to do with it. So, it could go either way. So, check this out. President Trump's support somehow created a civil war between MBS and his cousin, who just so happens to be multi-billionaire Alwaleed bin Talal, who is the co-owner of the Four Seasons Hotel on floors 35 through 39 of the Mandalay Bay Hotel building. So this theory kind of goes on to suggest that there was a failed assassination attempt against MBS, who is the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, at the Tropicana Hotel. And basically, the massacre at Route 91 Harvest Festival was kind of a message of warning to President Trump. So, according to all records, Stephen Paddock was a pilot, and he actually owned a couple of planes that have been tied to other FBI agents. Shocking, I know. So, according to this theory, he was a gunrunner for Prince Al-Walid bin Talal. This would explain Paddock's wealth and access to the service elevators at the Mandalay Bay. And, when the assassination attempt failed, Paddock became Talal's sacrificial lamb rather than his getaway pilot. The prince had Saudi military helicopters in the area at the time. So, check this out. Four weeks after the Vegas shooting, MBS had his cousin, Prince Al Walid bin Talal and 10 other princes arrested on corruption and money laundering charges. And most of them are actually still imprisoned to this day. So I don't know, guys. There are so many theories about this case and so much stuff that doesn't add up. There are dozens of eyewitness accounts of multiple shooters. There are dozens of videos where you can hear the different calibers of weapons firing. And in one of the videos, you can even see the trajectory of some of the bullets being fired. Don't correlate with this dude up 32 floors at Mandalay Bay. So, and now we're, you know, finding out later he has FBI and CIA ties, and nobody's talking about it. This is two years later. So many questions haven't been answered. The mainstream media just completely doesn't talk about it. It seems like most of the public has just completely forgotten about it, but this is a case where there just nothing seems to be adding up, and the official narrative just seems to be complete bullshit. So, after Stephen's death. The FBI obviously goes to all of his properties, starts searching all of his shit. They search the hotel room that, you know, they say his dead body was found in that night. And what they find is the hard drive to his laptop is missing. It's like, where the fuck did that go if he sat there and killed himself that night by shooting himself in the mouth? That's something else that's never been answered. No one knows where the hard drive is. Apparently, on another hard drive, The FBI did say they found child exploitation material, and apparently, allegedly, Stephen Paddock's brother was also arrested and charged with child pornography. He has something like over 400 images of child exploitation material on his computer, like, what the fuck is with this family? Apparently, Stephen Paddock's father was on the FBI's 10 most wanted list because he was in Tory as a bank robber way back in the day. So, it's just like, what the fuck is going on? We've got FBI connections, CIA connections, fucking criminal connections, generational style, and so many unanswered questions. There is so much more information about Stephen Paddock and this case if you want to dig you got to dig hard on this one though so much stuff has been scrubbed from youtube and google that it's extremely hard to find information that's other than you know the mainstream media dribble but i highly suggest it because it's going to open up a rabbit hole that you are going to have a hard time climbing back out of hell of shit went down with this guy it is not so cut and dry the police are lying the fbi is lying and 60 people died and over 800 were injured. You know, this is a huge mass casualty event in United States history and everyone's forgotten about it two years later. I just wonder how the victim's families feel about that. So guys, I just have to say thank you all for listening and downloading. Stop by either the Instagram at Athena, or you can email me at vanishedinthevalley@gmail.com at gmail.com Go ahead and send me a message, drop me a line, say what's up. But until then, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao. So
1: I thought it would be a good idea to get to the the top of the hotel where I was staying. I'm at the Delano and there's a Skyfall Lounge, a bar that overlooks the strip at the top. So I went to the 64th floor to go to the Skyfall Lounge and it was full of people drinking. Nobody had any idea what was going on and I had a bird's-eye view of the Route 91 artist music festival right across the street. My friend and I personally saw crowds of people running out of the festival and bodies hitting the ground. We actually watched these people getting gunned down from the shooter on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay. Were you able to see the
0: shooter?
1: We didn't see, uh, we couldn't see the Mandalay Bay at all from where we were. The Mandalay Bay was behind us. We could only see the, the music festival and people running away. At the moment, at the moment we did realize that they were being shot. We could hear the gunshots coupled with what we heard of machine gun fire downstairs. We knew that it was an active situation. Uh, at that point we actually went to go downstairs to the lobby to see if we could find out more and when the elevator got to the lobby and the doors opened, the air just breached of gunpowder and crowds of people were running to the elevators trying to escape. And uh, I guess at that moment, there was also shooting going on inside of the Mandalay Bay. So a little bit later, I got on Periscope and started broadcasting. I had a little over 10,000 viewers watching. And I was down there, all was evacuated, and there was nobody... Uh, Nobody out there. Front desk was gone. It was totally uh, a ghost death, And we actually met up with these other guys who were also looking, trying to find some information. And we met up with these security guards and police officers, who, uh, after what we were doing, told us to run away. And we heard gunshots from around the corner. We were in the uh, the Delano, right next to a walkway that connects the Mandalay Bay to the Delano. And we heard gunshots from right out that hallway. So we think that uh, the police were dealing with the shooter while we were down there. Are you lost?